Welcome to the Vegas Voice Podcast Network. The Vegas Voice, the voice for your health, wealth, and good times, and Nevada's most powerful senior media resource. I'm John the Announcer, and happy to introduce the various Vegas Voice segments and interviews that you can also find in our magazine, on our websites, and YouTube channel. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy listening to the Vegas Voice. Hi, everybody. This is Dick Arndt, and welcome to my world. By now, if you've listened to my podcasts, you should know that I love history, and particularly its effect on the world we live in today. And today, I want to tell you a story about what took place in the month of May, 142 years ago. The story of a woman whose life changed history and whose work still continues to this day. But before I mention who she was, let's begin her story that began 202 years ago when she was born. She must have been special. After all, she was born on Christmas Day in 1821. But special doesn't go far enough in looking at one of the most fascinating women in American history. Extraordinary, which would be a much more accurate description of her. She was a timid child, so shy that her parents had to actually remove her from school as a child. She just didn't seem to fit in with the other kids. But she was smart. So smart that she learned how to read at the age of only three. And she had one other strong trait that would characterize the remainder of her life. She had a passion to help people. That passion began when her parents relocated to a farm when she was only five years old, owned by her father's nephew, whose death resulted in a tragic accident, leaving a widow and four children. She enjoyed playing with her male cousins, and as time passed, because became what we now refer to as a tomboy, keeping up quite well with the boys as she worked on the farm. There was nothing she couldn't do that the boys could. Painting, repairing, you name it, she did it. Then another tragedy occurred. Her brother was so severely injured falling off from the top top of a barn that doctors were convinced he couldn't survive, an injury where his 10-year-old sister would remain at his side, nursing him back to health, while becoming familiar with prescribed medicines and other medical treatments of that era until he made a complete recovery. Helping people was now in her blood. And as she entered child, uh, adulthood, in 1838, she taught school in Canada and Georgia, becoming well-known for being able to handle rambunctious children, particularly boys, probably due to her childhood. From there, she opened up a free school in New Jersey, starting with six children, which grew to over 600, and increased so substantial, the police officials came to the conclusion that it needed a principal. What did the school officials decide? A man was hired twice the salary that she was being paid. She, who had founded the school and was managing it, was bypassed for one reason. She was a woman. And that left that school in 1855 due to the frustration of being considered inferior due to her gender. Well, she relocated to Washington, D.C., where she became employed uh, at uh, at the U.S. Patent Office, becoming the first woman to receive a substantial clerkship in the federal government and an income equal to men. And I might add a sum that was twice the amount paid to the man who had chosen to run the school she had originally founded in 1838. But for the time the women had yet not yet arrived, government work was for men. And during her tenure at the patent office, her duties were steadfastly reduced to that of an assistant copy clerk until President James Buchanan decided to completely eliminate the position upon his election in 1856. 
Frustrated and hurt over this decision, she returned to her family in Massachusetts. Until in 1861, the Lincoln administration reinstated the position and once again hired her as an assistant copy clerk. Well, she took the job hoping that in some way she could open the door to women in government. But 1861 brought war, a war between the states, and as her fa- at her father's insistence and her passion for helping others, she thought it was her duty as a Christian to help soldiers by gathering food, medical supplies, bandages, and blankets to assist those wounded in battle. That passion grew until 1862, when at her assistance, insistence, she received permission to work in the front lines caring for the wounded. There was nothing she refused to do for the cause, including cleaning field hospitals, applying dressings, and serving food to the wounded. As word spread for her fearless dedication to the battles of Bull Run, Antietam, and and Fredericksburg, in 1864 she was eventually appointed as the lady in charge by General Benjamin Butler, being fearless among the many harrowing experiences she would face was an incident in which a bullet tore through the sleeve of her dress without striking her, but killing the man she was tending to his wounds. She would soon become known by the fighting men as a calming force during the heat of battle, until one day a man gave her a nickname, a name that she would be referred to for the rest of her life, the Angel of the Battlefield. When the war ended, her dedication to those brave men who served and were wounded during the Civil War would continue. She ran the Office of Missing Soldiers, dedicated to those missing in action. She and her staff would answer 60,000 letters inquiring as to the 121,000 missing, even traveling to the Confederate prison in Andersonville, Georgia, the most horrific prisoner of war camp in the Civil War, where uh, 13,000 Union soldiers would perish, installing grave markers to honor them. After closing the office in 1868 and traveling to Europe, where she would meet and become involved with two other famous Americans, Susan B. Anthony of the women's suffrage fame and Frederick Douglass, a leader of the Negro, which we now refer to as African-American civil rights. As if she hadn't accomplished enough, her true mark in history came in 1869, when she traveled to Geneva, Switzerland, where she would be introduced to another humanitarian movement, a cause that had been established just six years prior where she would make a strong attempt to have the United States join the organization. In 1870, Europe would go to war, the Franco-Prussian War. And for the next two years, she would insist the European efforts to care for the wounded. The immediate result, America, afraid of involving itself in a foreign conflict and being so near to their own civil war, would not support joining that organization. She would make no headway with the American president, Rutherford B. Hayes, but as always is the case, when she believed in something, passion would prevail. After all, nothing, even an American president, could never stop the age of the battlefield. So rather than attempt to join the European organization, she became determined to begin her own in the United States. Finally, after revisiting her thoughts to include not only war-wounded, but also victims of earthquakes, forest fires, and hurricanes, President Chester Arthur reproved the American Red Cross with her as the president of the society, holding its first official meeting on May 21st, 1881, 142 years ago. During the Spanish-American War in uh, in 1898, the role of the Red Cross would again change. It would now aid refugees, in addition to others being helped. 
Her final act as the leader of the American Red Cross came in assisting the victims of the Galveston hurricane in 1900. And at the age of 83, she was finally replaced in 1904. What was, was that going to be the final hurrah of this amazing woman? Not her. When she went on to found the National First Aid Society, finally retiring in 1907 at the age of 86. She had lived to the age of 90 when on April 12, 1912, when she would die, after suffering for two years with tuberculosis, exactly 51 years to the day the American Civil War commenced with the South's firing on Fort Sumter. In 1948, the United States Postal Office honored her with a stamp. Well, by now she had become a legend. So whenever you see any kind of national emergency, remember it was her who originally was responsible for the existence of the first organization to answer the call, the American Red Cross. Who was she? Well, she was the amazing Clara Barton. This is Dick Arndt remembering a true heroine for her dedication to those in need, a woman who changed the course of American history, a woman who, along with others, we should also remember as Memorial Day approaches, welcoming her to your world as I have to mine. 